Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The light shines on us today from Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth. Now, as we are triumphant in Christ, we look at chapter 3, as Paul tells us of a ministry of the Spirit and righteousness with unveils our faces. What is Paul talking about? Well, we'll find out. It'll be a great time together. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You, Anytime, Anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A special thanks this morning to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. LHF distributes Bible-based, Christ-centered catechetical resources around the world to point people to Christ in their first language. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. We have with us today the, the honor and privilege to have Pastor John Lumkowski, who is a co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, Basics on KFUO, and also it says here that he is retired. Pastor Lomkowski, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Hi, hi, Blake. How you doing? And I wanted to say a word of appreciation. Uh, uh, Blake actually called me yesterday to introduce himself and to get to know each other. So I appreciate that, Blake. And we're actually both coming from the frozen north of Minnesota. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I did, yeah, I did yeah, ask but, the... Uh, I asked the studio to check in historical records. Has it ever been that a Minnesota Minnesotan has been the host and have a Minnesota guest? We'll have to see if we can find history on that. What do you think? <laughs> I don't think I don't think that has happened because <laughs> most people are smarter than staying up in Minnesota in January. <laughs> well, here we are, not very again, smart. Yeah, there, you, yeah, you and me. There are always exceptions. So, and just uh, so you know, just one small little thing to uh, exhort you. My name is not Blake. It is Brady. Brady, as in Tom Brady oh. <laughs> of the Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> well, I'm glad you called and let me know <laughs> so that I would get it wrong yeah. the next day. <laughs> That's right. We had a great conversation. We remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and now I will remember that because I'm actually a very, very strong Kansas City Chiefs fan. And, and of course, um. we hate Tom Brady, but that's okay. <laughs> as Christians, we love him. It's only as football fans. That's right. Uh, that's right. But all right. right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Thank you, Brady. And by the way, just call me, just call me John. Uh, John. Because the whole the Lukomsky thing gets way too confusing, even for It me. does. It does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, uh, so Pastor well, Pastor John, I'm new here. We've obviously met on the phone, but other than that, um, I'm new. And you've been on this show for a long time, been on the Bible study, um, um, Thy Strong Word, obviously wrestling with the basics. How long have you been a guest on KFUO, like any program? You know, that question keeps coming up, and, and I don't know, I would say probably <laughs> at least 30 years. I, I mean, we were we were part of the original Bible study. I'm not sure when mm -hmm. that started. And, and before that, uh, they would have pastors come over, and we would do uh, noon devotions, like about 10, 15-minute devotions. And I remember doing that. So yeah, it's been it's been a long time. And and KFU, I tell you what, I'm glad uh, I'm glad uh, Brady that you're part of it. it. It's just a wonderful, wonderful ministry. And uh, uh, met a lot of great people, Brady, and excited to be working with you uh, on Thank you. Uh, Thy Strong Word. And I'm excited as well. And you know, we hear the tagline often: Worldwide KFUO. And one thing that I wanted to ask our listeners today to continue to do, we started last week, is to tell us from where you are listening. I think this is going to be my last day since 
since we have Jolly John with us, why, you know, it's going to be, this is going to be the highlight right here. Um, but the last thing I'm going to ask is, but I wanted to have people send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, and tell us from where you are listening. So far, we know that we have listeners from 16 states, and I know there's more out there. I'm just, it's just a lot of fun to actually see the places from where they're coming. And one international, Illinois, Colorado, Nevada, Florida, Montana, Louisiana, Missouri, Kansas, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Texas, North Carolina, Virginia, Oregon, and even outside of our country, Sri Lanka. Oh, excuse me, not Oregon, but Oregon. Um, Country of Sri Lanka has been listening. And of course, the frozen tundra of Minnesota, because Lord have mercy, what else are we going to do, right? Today, I want to hear from more of you. If there's other people from other states, or even if you're from the states I mentioned, simply send us an email, kfuo.org. And I think this will be the last time I ask for you to do it, but tell us from where you are joining us and hearing the word of God. What do you think of that, uh, Pastor John? Well, well, Brady, I, I, you know, I was going to say, you, you talked about how long I've been doing this, and, and that's been the radical change. When, when uh, I started some 30 years ago, we were just a local uh, St. Louis AM station. If we got as far as like uh, Litchfield, Illinois, we, we were impressed. <laughs> but you're right. That's, that's how, isn't that amazing how the Lord is he's taking this, what is actually a very, very corrupt thing. The Internet can be just horrible and terrible and full mm. of wickedness and evil like you and I couldn't even imagine. And yet uh, he's using this. Uh, and, and we've gotten email from as far as Japan, uh, over in Germany, uh, even Australia for wrestling with the basics. So it's amazing that there are people literally all over the world uh, that, that are listening in. So, yeah, again, it's exciting in that respect, too. Who would have thought? Did you ever think that, Brady, that, that you would be involved in a ministry that literally right now someone could be listening to you? Well, anywhere, anywhere in the whole world. I don't think so. You know, I went to seminary in St. Louis, and I remember listening to you on the Bible study um, back oh. in the day. And I remember listening <laughs> and you're to you still that. willing to do the show with absolutely. me? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I would drive in from... I, I would drive in from South St. Louis because I lived yeah. um, actually by the brewery during seminary my second year and I'd drive in and it was, I believe it was at 10 o'clock in those days and I would drive in and I would listen to it before my 1030 class and you were a con- continuous uh, listener. So I'm very humbled and I was very blessed in those days to listen to it and very humbled and blessed to be part of it today. So, but let's get to this. Um, we're here to hear the word of God and to study the scriptures. And so pastor, as we begin, can you please begin us in prayer? Oh, Lord, we, uh, we ask the blessing of your Holy Spirit, for as you teach us in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we are incapable of doing anything on our own. Uh, mm-hmm. But through the Spirit, you are ready to bless us with all kinds of great knowledge about a, a service of rec- righteousness that you offer us. You're, you're going to use your Spirit to transform us and transform all of our listeners. Uh, but that has to come from you. So we pray for that blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. As we're starting chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, uh, Pastor, can you give us any introductory remarks or uh, the background context or any things you want to look at for uh, review as we look at chapter 3? Sure. Uh, uh, and, and so the thing is, uh, the one thing, and I actually I didn't learn this, Brady, until like some of the last years of my ministry. Uh, if you're reading any of Paul's books, you, you've got to know that you're attending an Old Testament class. 
because uh, <laughs> Paul's true. all it's about true. the Old Testament. He's an Old Testament professor. I don't think there's a thing, single thing he says that somehow he's not reflecting on some passages uh, coming from uh, the Old Testament scriptures. And so we're going to see him do that again. In fact, he's going to pick out some imagery from the Old Testament and apply it to us as New Testament Christians. This is just such a great chapter because Paul Paul illustrates to us you got you got two kind of services. Now, now the text uses ministry, but I, I want to use the word service, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, but you got two kinds. You've got, you've got a ministry uh, of of condemnation, uh, and you also have a ministry of righteousness. Uh, and the Old Testament, the law, everything, that was a ministry of condemnation, an important ministry. We'll discover why that is. But why, why you and I uh, rejoice, uh, Brady, is because we are now under the ministry of righteousness. And, and as Paul says, oh, the glory of that, that service, that ministry, far surpasses anything that we might have had uh, in the Old Testament and in the uh, written law, the tablets of stone, as, as uh, Paul talks about them in our text. So that would be my overview. What, what, what are the things would you want to add? Well, that really sums it up wonderfully as far as Paul teaching according to the Old Testament. I mean, that's interesting because I've written down a few notes about like one word summaries as much as I possibly can. And one of them in the first chapter is comfort, which points us back to Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort my people. Deliverance, verse 10, is another theme, and and that is obviously connecting us to Exodus and deliverance of God's people. The promises that, you know, there's a lot of covenantal promise language. And and then finally, forgiveness was was yesterday's, forgiving the sinner in chapter 2. And that's a great reminder for us, for I'll remember their sins no more. So this shows that interconnectedness that we have in the Old Testament to the New Testament, and Paul um, never uh, goes away from that and obviously seeing the fulfillment of everything from Genesis to Revelation pointing us back to Christ. So great summary. I think that's a great way for us to begin. Uh, so let's and, get and, and, started. And, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. And, 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 well, no, it's that you're, you're listing words. So, so here's the word that struck me in this chapter. It's the word hardened, hardened, mm. which doesn't seem like a good word. But, but I think <laughs> when we're done, we'll see that, no, actually, that again, that's part of that ministry, that service of condemnation. But that's actually a good thing. And and, and I'm glad you used the word comfort, too, because ironically, I think in the word hardened, there's also great comfort to be found, too. But but that comes more towards the end of the text. So Wonderful. So let's start verses 1 through 3 is where we'll begin. Reminder to our listeners, we are reading from the ESV version. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered to by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So here, he speaks about a letter of recommendation. I think about this as a pastor, and, and also I, I coach track at the, at the high school, Shapo and Discus track coach. And from time to time, usually once a year at least, I, uh, one of my young people asked me, can you um, write me a letter of recommendation for a job to vouch for my good, good, uh, good work ethic and all those kind of things? And that's what they need when they need a job. Is, is that related at all to what Paul is talking about, a letter of recommendation? Well, sure. So why why should we even be listening to Paul? Uh, I think that's the question here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and apparently, and I think we'll read about this later on in the book, there were so-called super apostles 
who had come and said, well, yeah, you know, Paul's okay, but we, we he's just an apostle. You know, we're, we're super apostles. You really should listen to us. And uh, this, uh, this illusion here is some do, he says. So apparently they were coming and saying, well, I, here's our references and everything. And Paul says, so what's my reference? Why should you listen to me? And Paul says, well, maybe it's you. <laughs> Think about it. Who taught you the faith? How did you come to know Jesus Christ? Did, did that come from these super apostles or did they, were they kind of Johnny come latelys? So I, I think that's an interesting argument. He's saying, you know, you guys believe you know about Jesus and you know about him from me. So I don't need any letter of recommendation because you are my letter of recommendation. I never thought yeah. about that, but but I suppose I would point to my congregation. Uh, as you said, I'm now retired uh, almost a year and a half. But I guess I would point to those people and to their faith and their commitment to Jesus and say, well, what can I say? Although it's interesting now that Paul also alludes to the fact it's not from him. He's not saying, oh, look at me. I'm such a good preacher, such a good pastor. No, no, don't misunderstand me. But the very existence of people with faith would be the uh, evidence of his um, uh, validity. And that is, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Paul begins his letter by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. And that is an emphasis he has. And People are gathering in the name of Jesus. That's my proof. That's who I am. I'm not here to try to um, amaze you with other things because, as he says otherwise, you know, Christ is my wisdom, you know. And so he's definitely pointing it always back to Christ. That's what we talked about in the beginning of chapter one is that he, he whenever he talks about proof, a letter of recommendation, he points to Jesus. And it's clear that God is at work. And, you know, if, if you read First Corinthians, sometimes you'd wonder if he would have said, you are my letter of recommendation. You're not sure if he would have said that. Uh, but here he does, and he points to words of comfort, deliverance, and so forth to show that God is truly at work there. I'm a little bit, I'm always a little bit uncomfortable with that. You know, he's saying, well, you're my letter of recommendation. And, and so how do we reconcile that, um, John, with, okay, uh, we're saved by grace. You know, this is God's work. But yet at the same time, that there's going to be fruit of the Spirit, there's going to be God's work in our life. And how do we reconcile that and, and looking at all that? How would you flush that out for us? Well, I, I think actually, now that you've phrased it that way, uh, uh, Brady, I, I think that's why you've got the next few verses. Because I, I hadn't thought of it, but I think you're right. I think Paul at this point senses, oh, wait a second. Now, now you're going to put the focus on me, and, and that's not my intention at all. Uh, and so when you read the next few verses, he immediately puts, as you said, the focus back upon God, upon Jesus, upon Christ. Uh, um, uh, and, and in fact, when we get to the word ministry, I think he, he's making that emphasis uh, even more. Uh, I, before we leave these first verses, though, you're getting this dichotomy right away to the, the contrast of the tablets of stone he talks about. Mm. Uh, which, of course, he, he's, again, that's Old Testament stuff, right? Uh, Exodus 24, you know, he uh, Moses gets the tablets of stone from God, the law. Um, and, and it's interesting, in Ezekiel 11, uh, Ezekiel prophesies, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will move the spirit, the heart of stone, from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So, so yeah, I said, we've hmm. got two different things going on. We've got a thing of the law. And we got a thing of the spirit, and, and I'm the one that's coming to bring you the thing. That's my service is the the service of spirit. Yeah, so I think that's a good segue. Let's get into the next few few verses. Verse four: Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, 
But our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, you said very clearly that there's a lot of dichotomies here. And here we see the dichotomy of a letter and the spirit. But I want to start. So let's get back to that. But when he talks about that, we have ministers of a new covenant. Uh, this is interesting. Actually, there's a lot of interesting things in here. So, um, you know, he talks about ministry of new covenant, talks about the dichotomy of letter and spirit. Um, th- what direction do you want to go on this? Because there's about three, four things we could highlight. Yeah. Well, well let's start by, by clearing up your previous question. If anyone mm-hmm. thought that Paul was saying, oh, no, 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 you need to listen to me because of what wonderful works I performed amongst you. you no, know, he mm-hmm. makes it quite clear. No, I don't have any sufficiency to claim for myself. If anything has been successful, no, that that came from God. But but as you said, the fruits of the Spirit verify. There should be fruits, and there are fruits. Paul says, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. So so we could do either. Well, uh, all right, just let me throw out real quick, Brady, what I wanted to emphasize, and then we'll go from where you, you'd like to take us. Uh, but I I think we need to really point out the word minister is a mm-hmm. crucial word because it literally in the Greek means servant. And, and I, I wish that they would just use the meaning of that rather than minister, because that kind of muddies the water. Because the, the idea of servant is that it's not my stuff. I'm just doing something for someone else. And in fact, I love the reference, I think it's in Acts 6, where that term is used for people that wait on tables. Yeah. And I said, well, that is a perfect description of us, isn't it? Honestly, people, uh, Brady and I don't have anything. We haven't cooked the meal, <laughs> okay? <laughs> we didn't prepare the food. We're just giving it to you. That's all. We're delivering it to your table. Uh, and and uh, so there's a great humility in that very term, the ministry or the service of a new covenant. So Paul's not doing his thing. He's just given what has been given to him. And, of course, now you've got the other things. You've got the, 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 the new covenant, the old covenant, obviously, letter and the spirit. Uh, the, yeah, and and one of the things too that is important for us to remember with the word servant is how can we do this in all of our vocations, our daily vocations? Mm. Because sometimes we can um, say, well, this is a ministry, therefore it has more meaning or something, and then you lose sight of, you know, making like you said dinner, you know, making dinner for your kids or making sure your house is kept up or or uh, you know visiting loved ones those kind of things like well I can't I can't visit mom today because I have a ministry to do somewhere else <laughs> and I'm not saying that's completely wrong all the time but it is something for us to remember keep it all in perspective that all of it is a vocational reality that God gives us and how we can serve our lord and what we do like you said is our sufficiency is not in ourselves when we preach the word of God and bring the sacraments and here he is saying it's a new covenant um, a new blessing that's there, which could be a whole other conversation of something else. But it it is it is something that reminds us that this is um, there is something new going on here, and it's come to its fullness in the fullness of time. Galatians four, uh, our Lord has sent His Son, and that is whose name we do this work with. So, um, any last thoughts and, on and that, Minister? Well, well, but see, because yeah, Brady, man, that that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Because unfortunately, see, I'm I'm hearing the word servant, minister. I'm thinking about what I did for for forty some years. But but no, you you've really put the focus where it needs to be. No, this is everybody. 
We're all mm-hmm. involved in this this service of righteousness, and and that's how we do it. It's not like we're coming doing our good thing, but we're just taking everything the Lord has given us, and then 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 we're making use of that, like good servants do. And and I love the example of yeah, just taking care of mom. That mm-hmm. that is that could be your vocation. That's the person God has given you. He's given you the resources and the strength and the ability to do it. So yeah, so I appreciate that. I hope everybody's listening to it, realizing that we're all part of this ministry of righteousness. This, and it's the same way for Paul. It's just whatever he's put us and whatever he's given us, and we're just sharing it with other people. So, And it, it, is, it is wonderful too, when you look at 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians, like I said, he's pretty harsh. Um, Luther yeah. talks about him putting sharp wine into a wound. I said this every every episode, but I think it's so great that he does that. But this one is he's putting oil into their wounds, you know, for the sake of healing. And part of that is he's gently exhorting them to remind you this is where this is who you are. This is this is your identity, you know, forgiveness and and comfort and deliverance. And this is who you are. And here he is pointing them. Um, that there's there's servants of the new covenant, meaning that there's something different here, that that my letter of recommendation of what you're doing is going to look different than the world. And here we know why, because it is our Lord who has given us sufficiency because of Christ. But here he talks and, about and, dichotomy. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and so, so that, that's an interesting thought then, Brady, because maybe then when, because we're going to talk about the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation, mm. and maybe Paul's reflecting on what you just said, that the first letter maybe had a lot more of that, and, and it had to have that because the Corinthians had kind of forgotten that they were also uh, sinners. Uh, so, uh, yeah, maybe maybe there was. He was thinking, yeah, the last time maybe I was emphasizing this, but now you really got to know my, my purpose here is to do this this new covenant, this other service of, of righteousness. So, well, anyway. So as we have about two minutes here, um, John, he speaks about the letter of the spirit. Um, excuse me. I'm sorry here. Uh, not a letter, but of the, of the spirit, not a letter of, oh my, I'm way off here. What is he talking about? He talks about spirit. Oh, the letter that kills the letter that has spirit. So talk about that dichotomy and maybe that will help us get into the next dichotomies that are coming. All right, well, when we come back, starting in verse 7, he's going to define what those two things are. One thing brings condemnation and judgment. That, that is the letter uh, of the law. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's this other service, which is of the Spirit. And as he says, the Spirit is going to give us life. And, and I really appreciate what you said earlier, Brady, about bringing in the forgiveness. Because that term is not specifically used in this chapter but but would you agree with me? I think Paul's assuming we remember that, that he we we are forgiven people, and and that's he's just he he, he we know that, so he doesn't have to say that word again. But that's certainly what's going to be in contrast with the letter. Uh, the Spirit gives life because the Spirit gives forgiveness of sins, right? Isn't that what Peter said? Repent and be baptized mm-hmm. in the name of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, and you'll receive uh, forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Spirit. Yeah, and, and and it really comes down to the understanding of of we have to remember this that this is a kind of a, it is a law gospel dynamic that yep. we could easily read this and say oh the law is bad and then therefore the spirit is good or the gospel is is good and you know kind of like a yay and oh yay oh a back and forth kind of a dynamic <laughs> where we have this understanding of that uh, yes it kills us and thanks be to God it does 
And so that's something we're going to be able to really an unveil. This is a good language for today. Yeah. Unveil as we look at the rest of this. And it, he does it in such a wonderful and poetic way to point us once again to our life in Christ. But Pastor, we're going to need to take a break here. We are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 3 with Pastor John, and we will be right back. This is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss abortion legislation in 2021 with Carol Tobias, president of National Right to Life. We'll talk with Dr. Joel Bierman of Concordia Seminary about chastity, and we'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on Old Testament Judge Deborah. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Here is what our listeners are saying about KFUO Radio. It's like we Bible-believing Christians have our own special uh, event. I love that. Wish the whole world could belong to Jesus. I really appreciate this, and I'm enjoying it very, very much. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. And welcome back. We are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 3 with Pastor John Lukowski. And as we are doing so, one little update here, um, John, is that we have listeners from not, not only Illinois, but our first Wisconsin person. Yesterday, Pastor Mater was frustrated that there weren't any Wisconsin listeners, but we know there are some out there. Arkansas, and, and here's a little personal one, is in Lexington, Kentucky, a little known fact. Lexington, Kentucky was where my wife and I started dating. So this is important. Thank you, Mark, um, for writing in from Lexington, Kentucky. That's a long story. I'm sure we'll get to it at some point as the host here. But that's not important. The point is this is where God's word is reaching us this morning. So we are now moving forward to verse 7. Any last thoughts on the first six verses, Pastor? Nope. Nope. Let's move on. All right. Verse 7. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses's face because of his glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. 
For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will have it, it what is permanent have glory. Oh, I feel like I'm doing tongue twisters here a little bit. Um, <laughs> give, us a, give us a little direction here, Pastor. Well, uh, we, we need to talk about this whole business about Moses and, and, and the veil uh, and, and what that's all about. But <clears throat> before we do that, we got this dichotomy again. We, we had it already. We had letter that kills, spirit that gives life. Now we've got ministry, our service of death, uh, contrasted with a ministry, our service of the spirit. Uh, we also have another service, a ministry of condemnation, and that's contrasted with a service, our ministry of, of, of righteousness. Uh, mm. and, and you use the, these terms that we Lutherans love to use, uh, a law and gospel. And this is where we get all of this. That's what Paul was saying, that there was a ministry. It was a service. It came from God. Moses was the servant, and it was a servant of the letter. It was a law written on tablets of stone. But the thing you need to realize that this was intended to bring death. It was intended to bring condemnation. And it did that. It did that very well. Right, Paul says, uh, the law makes us conscious of our sin. We all, our mouths are shut because <laughs> no one can deny mm. uh, that they're a sinner when, when that ministry, that service comes. Uh, it is interesting, too, what, what really strikes me is the terms ministry of condemnation and ministry of righteousness because people need to know those are legal terms. Uh, they're not for mm. us, but they would have been for Paul. Uh, when you talk about condemnation, it's when the judge, it's what a judge does. It's when a judge says you are guilty. Uh, and the term righteousness there is also a judge. It's what a judge says when he says you are not guilty. Um, and, and, and when we get to the business about hardening, I, I want to stay, wait till that. But we'll see, that's what the law is supposed to do. The law is actually, uh, it doesn't make you a sinner. But, but the job of the law is to show you that you are a sinner, and, and as uh, Paul says, uh, the wages of sin is death. So there you mm. go. That's what the law does. But now he's saying that, that there's this other ministry that is of the Spirit. It's not just about a, a words written on stone. It affects the heart, uh, and it brings righteousness, which is, in this context, a declaration of not guilty. So... Where do you want to go from there with that? That's that's uh, no. I I almost just want to say amen and move on. But of course, there's there's so many good things here because, like I said before, then when it says ministry of death, it could easily say, oh, that's bad. I don't want anything to do with that. When and and the reality is, I don't want death. You know, I don't want someone to point out my sins and to show, hey, you know, you did wrong there because that's. That's a very difficult thing. It's a very difficult thing as a pastor and even as a Christian to point out the sins of other people. But this is part of who we are. Like you said with Paul, um, he also talked about, yeah, I, I, I didn't know I was a sinner until I saw the law. I mean, this is this is very difficult to, to unveil that, wow, I am indeed a sinner. But it doesn't end there. And that's why he never, doesn't ever end there either. He doesn't stand, end with death as he points to life. He talks about death. He talks about spirit. He talks about condemnation. You are indeed guilty, but the ministry of righteousness, you are indeed declared Christ on, uh, declared, excuse me, forgiven on account of Christ. And so he goes back and forth. It's a wonderful way for us to realize this is our life, a forgiven sinner, that we always go back to the full sufficiency of Christ for our forgiveness. So we remember that the law is good. This is good for us to realize that we are indeed sinners and also to give us a direction of, okay, this is what is right. And how can I therefore 
follow, like you said, the uh, fourth commandment, honor my father and mother. Well, going by visiting her. We know we are able to do that because we are in Christ. How am I going to uh, um, love God? Well, if you're loving God above all things, you know, that leads us to repentance clearly, but also how can I give glory to God in this day? So that, I keep saying this kind of, it's not an up and down, like, oh, I'm sad, now I'm happy kind of thing. It's a, it talks about this in Romans 6, dying and rising every single day in our lives. Last thoughts here, Pastor. Well, that's it. And and that fact, too, that this isn't a thing that you do it once. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm a sinner. All right, now I'm forgiven. That's all. No, no, it's this. We keep forgetting. We just keep forgetting we're sinners. And, And we really do begin to think we're pretty decent, good people. And so the ministry of death and condemnation has to keep coming back. We still need that word of law. Uh, no matter how long you've been a Christian, you need those reminders. No, no, you're still a sinner. That's what your flesh is. It's not going to get any better. This is why you're going to die. I, I don't mm. want to die either. But honestly, I don't want to live in this sinful flesh. I don't want to be filled with these lusts and this anger and this selfishness for an eternity. So I guess that I guess I and, and I'm, I'm not going to get better. It's not going to get. See, that's what happens when you get to be an old guy like me, Brady. <laughs> Because for a while you think, oh, I'm going to get better. I'll work at this. I'll improve. And then when you get to be old, you realize, yeah, I'm not much better than I was 40, 50 years ago. So maybe that's not going to happen. So all right. So maybe now I do need to die. But but on the other hand, like you said, no, no, that that uh, ministry of condemnation, no, that's uh, that's overwhelmed by the glory of the ministry of righteousness of God, declaring that, no, you're still my beloved child. All your sins are forgiven. I'm preparing a place for you in heaven. Um, and, you know, that's what he's getting with this whole, I was wrestling with, why does he bring up this veil of Moses? Mm. But having reflected on it again this morning, so the point was, you know, Moses got the glory of the law, so much so that he shined. <laughs> he literally would mm. come down from the mountain and he shined. The problem was, though, the shine didn't last. And so Moses would, would uh, he'd speak to the people and then he'd put a veil over himself because he knew that shine was going to go away and he didn't know, well, what will the people think? Oh, well, maybe he's not, maybe he's not God's representative anymore. He's not shining. You know, maybe he's uh-huh. not. Uh, uh, so, so and, and if you look at it, that's the, that last verse for it, if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. So that's the point he's making. That glory that Moses had from the law, it was always temporary. It always came to an end. Uh, so Moses would veil himself so people wouldn't realize the glory was gone. But Paul's saying, no, 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 the glory that I'm bringing you, this glory of Jesus Christ, now that's a glory that never, ever ends. And it is, isn't it, if you think about it, Brady, because, yeah, we're, we're all going to die. That, that part mm-hmm. of that is going to be done. But the, the glory of the resurrected body and, and uh, the transformation he talks about later, no, that, that's permanent. That, that, uh, that'll never end. And that's something that, that is really fun when I have All Saints Sunday in my congregation. Ah. And for all congregations is because they're inevitably, when we go through it, and, and I, I, I just love preaching that day because it just talks about the glory that is still yet to come. And inevitably every year, well, not this year because I'm not shaking hands with people on the way out of church, but usually somebody <laughs> walks out 
somebody who's an older saint, you know, and and they will say something along the lines of that was an amazing sermon. Of course, I think it has to do with what I said, but they just hear Revelation 7 or they hear other parts of the scriptures that talks about eternity. And they'll say, I know that I'm getting close, something along those lines that yeah. they know that there's a permanence somewhere that is, you know, really an unveiling that when you're younger, um, that you don't you don't see. But when you get older, you like realize, yeah, I hope there's something permanent because this, some of this stuff, uh, just just is not as glorious as maybe I thought it once was. And so, so that's a great. So Brady, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say so. So you know, I, I I was at it for forty years, and and I was in the same church two churches for 40 years. And that's oh. one of the reasons why I finally decided I needed to retire. Because as you know, you, you love people and, and they get to mm-hmm. be your friends and then they die. What, what is that all about? <laughs> you know? Right. And it just right. got to be really, really hard that these people I had known for a good portion of their life and now, now they're dying. But see, you're right. Isn't that the comfort? I'm going to see all those people again. And, and, and mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to do it today. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Lord, no, no, that's okay. Because there's people here I want to see right here and yeah. now, okay? But it yeah. is, it isn't a great cover to know that someday, yeah, all of those people, I, we're going to be sitting down, we're going to be talking, visiting. Uh, yeah, what a joy, because it is. This, this is the glory that's permanent, Paul says, and, and that's the glory we have in Jesus' forgiveness. And I would encourage our listeners that, you know, when you are struggling with those things that are happening, Revelation 7 is a beautiful thing to keep going back to and to realize what is still yet to come when it is the Lord's time. And I also want to highlight one thing before we get to the rest of our verses is a little bit of a confusing connection that Paul makes. Like you said, he's an Old Testament scholar. He's connecting it always back to Jesus. You know, he's, he's, he's a continuation of Matthew, just continually saying, hey, this, this is a fulfillment. This is in Christ. Everything was about Jesus from the very beginning. But to use Moses' veil over his face and then to connect it to us is an interesting dynamic. Because when I first, when you read this, and I have to admit I'm, I'm confused by it, it goes back to Exodus 34. Moses goes up. He comes down. He's shining brightly. He puts a veil over his face every time he goes out to the people. When he goes and speaks to the Lord, he takes a veil off. And that's kind of, you know, you're kind of like, okay, he has God's glory and it's covering his face. But here, he's not talking about it in exactly the same way, that the veil is not over the face, but it's over the heart. And it's a different dynamic. And I just wanted to, I wanted to clear that up because this is a part that in the scriptures that I, I've always been a little bit confused by. So thankfully, John, you're here. But it's, it's one of those things where if we use it as, wow, the, okay, so we're gonna, he's going to un- uncover my heart and da-da-da-da-da, and it's because there's too much glory coming out or there's too much of God, God's light coming out of my heart or something, that we have to see there's a distinction of the story of Moses. It makes a wonderful connection, but it's not a one-to-one, that there is a difference, but yet it is a similar veil in how we are to look at it. Any, any thoughts on so, that as we dig into these verses? So, so here's the thing, as I, as, as I was reading this and, and, and you're right he, he is just full of the spirit and the spirit's just leading him all kinds of places uh, and, and I think indeed that's probably the point no one's going to come to this text and grasp it by their own reason or strength 
And I think that's exactly the idea. All right, if you're going to have any grasp of this, you're going to be praying that the Holy Spirit leads you to understand these things. How many years have you been in the ministry, Brady? I am now at four, going into my 15th year. Okay, cool. So, yeah. so you, because you, when you're only in for a few years, you, you don't grasp this. But after about, I guess, probably year seven, somewhere around there, you begin to realize, gosh, I really need God's help. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, as you go back to the text, because see now, after seven years, you've, you've run through the three-year lectionary twice, and you're thinking, well, what am I going to preach on next year? Uh, but, but you begin to realize, well, every time you come back, there's something you didn't see, isn't there? You go back to, how did I, and that is so obvious in this text. How did I not see that the last time I preached on this text? Um, And so that's what we got going on here with Paul. Paul's just taking this image. And and so the first image is, the first point is, is simply the fact that the glory of Moses was temporary. That's why he Mm. veiled his face, because it was temporary. And Paul says, oh man, you you need to know the glory of what I'm giving you is so much greater. Uh, In fact, it's so glorious that the old glory doesn't seem to have any glory at all anymore, because it's permanent. But now, as we move into the last section, he takes the image of the veil, as, as you alluded, and he uses it in yet a different way. Now it is not the veil that covers the eyes of Moses, but it is the fact that there are still people who don't understand the law, that there's still a veil for them that obscures what the law is truly all about. Uh, and as he'll say, yeah, say that only the Lord Christ can take away that veil. But but you're right, that's what makes it confusing, because he's actually using the veil in, I see at least two ways. Maybe the next time we come back to it, maybe there's three or four ways he's using it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway. So let's, let's go through this. Let's go through it slowly so we're on the same page. We'll do verses 12 through 14. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Now, I'm going like to do Moses. this to you, and, and, and you're going to just talk, and he, he does that, Brady, just just roll your eyes and go with it. <laughs> 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 well, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but but this verse 12 it, it is still going back to the image of a veil uh, because it's it's not permanent, it's not lasting, that he felt compelled to veil himself because he knew the glory would pass. And Paul's nice. saying, but that's not the way it is with us. Oh, no, 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 no. We have this permanent glory, Paul said. And so as a result, then, we're not veiling anything, are we? No, we are very, very bold in what we do, since we have such a hope. Since I know what I'm giving, and what we're doing right now, Brady. What we're doing right now, we're bold in what we're doing here, because what we're talking about is not temporary, it's not passing, it is permanent, it is glorious, and it is certainly a thing of hope. I'll now shut up. (laughs) No, this is wonderful. I'll read it even more boldly the next two verses. Here we go. There you go. (laughs) Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. I think these are very bold words because he, one, speaks about hardened hearts, that there are yeah. people with hardened hearts and along with, <laughs> with our own hardened hearts. And so he's speaking about boldness. He's speaking about Moses. He's speaking about all those things. How do, how do we bring this together when we look at hard hearts? Well, and see, there it is. It's the Old Testament stuff, too. When, when he uses the word hardened in the context of Moses, 
we're we're thinking about that passage, that really, really difficult passage, again, that requires the help of the Spirit to understand where it says God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Mm. And now we're beginning to think, according to Paul, he also hardened the hearts of the Israelites, right? Because mm-hmm. they finally would not do the first commandment and worship no other gods. And they finally lost their temple, lost their holy city, were taken off into exile. And and the difficult thing here is, is the word hardened there is in the passive, which is to say somebody else did that to them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they, yeah, they did it. We're not denying that. But it was God who hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And ultimately, I guess it was God who hardened, hardened the heart of his people. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. So how do you how do you deal with that? Because that's a hard passage. That's a difficult, hard passage. I'm sorry. It's a very hard passage. And when you go through the book of Romans, you have some of those difficulties. Yeah. And one of the one of the great ways that and this is a very practical thing, we could get into election, in the form of a concord, and we could talk about sin as history, predestination, all this stuff. And you go around and around. One of the greatest ways I've seen this addressed was in my first congregation, which was in Wisconsin is uh, that we were talking about this, uh, predestination, all these kind of things, hard hearts. And there was a wonderful lady um, who said, you know, there's so many things we just don't know, but thanks be to God that he died for me. Mm. And I was like, all right, well, it's a half an hour early, but let's be done. I don't think we can do anything (laughs) else to make this sound better. (laughs) And she's right, because there's so many things on the unknown aspect of God we don't understand. But here it says it beautifully in verse 14. And this is exactly what this lady, um, Norma was her name. She was, was, you know, quoting Paul. I mean, this lady had been in the word of God for 90 plus years in her life. And she was quoting Paul almost because because only through Christ is it taken away. Why is that veil there? Why is it there? Is it God? Is it something else? Why would he put it there? We just don't know. But we do know what unveils it. And that is Christ and him crucified. And, and, and so the, the insight that, that uh, the Spirit gave me uh, this time that I had not thought of before is so hardening is not really a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, uh, you, you can't truly rely on Christ until God has hardened you. you. You can't be the Apostle Paul until you've been the guy who persecuted the church, right? Mm-hmm. Paul would be a whole different fella if, if God had not hardened him to the point he had. And then, of course, God comes and breaks him, doesn't he? God makes him really, really hard. You couldn't get any harder. And then God comes with his hammer and he just shatters him. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Um, and, and so that, to me, is the comfort. If it is God who hardens, okay, please don't misunderstand. It's not God that makes people sinful. What God does is he takes sinful people and he just makes them even more that way, you know, mm. lets it follow mm-hmm. its, it where it wants to go, uh, only so that he can then then break them and, and, and bring them to the forgiveness of sins that is in. You know, if Paul had not had the hardening experience he had, could he have ever said, I am the worst of sinners? No, no, he would never have said that. But but because of it, and and if you think about it, eventually, well, well so so anyway, we, we got the other thing. Have we read the verse about one who turns? We haven't got to the verse about one who turns to the Lord yet, have we? No, we have not. We have not. I'm yeah, trying to go through slowly and make sure to the term 
that relates to the term hardened. If you ah, read the Old good. Testament, those two things go together. Once you know that you have been hardened, then your cry is, Oh, Lord, return us to yourself, O Lord. That's what it says in Lamentations 5. Return us to yourself, yeah. Lord, that we may be returned. Renew our days as of old. See, you understand, I can't do this, you know. If it's God who has put me in this situation, then it's only God who's going to be able to deliver me out of this situation. So that was the comfort I found. It's a good thing that mm. God does the hardening. Because if it was up to me, well, then I guess I have to figure my way out of this. But right. if it's God who's taken this, well, then it's God who can turn me around, too. So. And it's a comfort, too, when we think about those in our lives who either are apathetic in the faith or have mm. completely denied the faith. That their um, that their salvation is, we have to be faithful with the word of God, and we're going to depend on God by His Holy Spirit to quote soften or to break their hearts to see Jesus. And this is this is where our hope is at all times. So let's keep going. Um, get to the end here, fifteen 18. through eighteen. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Brady. Oh, come on. So now. you just you were talking about <laughs> the revelation <laughs> thing, but 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 again, yeah. so that right though isn't that what it says in Revelation? You were neither hot nor cold, so I spit you out. It would be yeah. better to be. It would better be hardened. That would be a better thing, you know. And then right. then maybe there would be repentance. Yeah. So the apathy. Right. That's we should pray, Lord, make them harder, make them more evil. <laughs> Not that we would pray that, <laughs> well, but maybe that's what it's going to take. That'd be quite the quite the prayer on Sunday morning. Oh Lord. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we're not gonna get there. Let's get yeah, to fifteen through eighteen though. Let me don't finish here. My advice yeah, on that. That's yeah. right, I won't. Fifteen through eighteen. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from the one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, there's a few insights you had there. You were talking about turning to the Lord. You want to expand on that? Okay, well, well, the, the really cool thing there is that it's in the, the for those who like uh, uh, grammar, it's in the subjunctive. So this is not an exhortation or an imperative. This is not God saying, you need to turn to the Lord. I'm not saying there aren't passages where, where it is used that way. But, but rather here is Paul simply saying, so this is what happens. Should this happen, should a person turn to the Lord, well, then the veil is going to be removed. And he's going to be transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. Every, the Spirit comes in, starts doing his thing. Uh, but but the, the key point here is, like I said, it goes back to that term hardened. If God is the one who, and and, and by the way, uh, you know, Luther deals with this whole business of hardening and in, in his uh, bondage of the will. And he says, you got to understand, all God did when he hardened the heart of Pharaoh was simply speak the law to Pharaoh. All right, mm. he didn't. He didn't do something to Pharaoh's heart. He didn't take a nice guy and made him into a mean or bad guy. He just said, Pharaoh, I want you to let my people go. And 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 Pharaoh, because he was a sinner, said, Well, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> okay. So please understand the hardening of the heart doesn't make the heart hard. It just pushes the heart into what the heart wants in the first place. That's all it does. Just directs it right where the heart always wants, which is the opposite of whatever the Lord wants. Um so now the turning then is, as I had from that passage of lamentation, so the turning then is something that we pray to the Lord to. Uh, Psalm 23, he returns my soul. He leads me. And it's interesting, in paths of righteousness. Mm, See the same yeah. word we had earlier. So just so people understand that, 
Uh, the exhortation here, and, and this is where the veil still remains on people, doesn't it? A lot of people think, oh, no, this is uh, this is the work we have to perform now. This is what we have to do. We have to turn ourselves to the Lord. And, of course, what Paul is trying to point out from the Old Testament is nobody turns to the Lord. The Lord hardens and the Lord turns. That's what he does. Well, as he's turned us, he's unveiled our face. He goes back to the language of Paul. But really, he's unveiled our hearts to behold the glory of our Lord to be transformed. What is this? In, in two minutes here, Pastor, what is Paul showing us about the transformation and the beholding of the glory of the Lord? Uh, so, so here's the problem, and and and, and uh, Brady, I appreciate that you've emphasized that this is talking about us, not about other people. But but mm. see, our, our heart gets veiled because we think the law is something we're supposed to do in order to get right with God. And so, mm. as I said, we actually fall into the thought is I'll get better every day. I'm going to work a little harder on this. And of course, what what we're veiled because no, the, the the law is a ministry of death. That's what it is. It's a ministry of condemnation. Paul says, "I didn't know I was coveting until the law came and said, Thou shalt not covet.'" And then I realized I was coveting all over the place. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so so that's the veil. That's the veil. We don't understand the purpose of the law. Uh, not to deny, as you said, that it's God's will. So of course, it's what we want to do. Uh, but it's not what we want to do so that we'll become righteous or forgiven, our God's beloved children. No, as the text says, it's it's what we want to do because we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, and therefore by the work of the Spirit and by the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image as Jesus from one degree of glory to another. Um, so that's the key thing. It's not about us. It's about what the Lord is doing through, again, his service of righteousness, um, mm. which is the message of God's love and forgiveness. Well, he has unveiled our faces and our hearts, so we see the glory of God, which comes through the forgiveness that we have in Christ. We have been killed, and we have been made righteous on account of his cross. Pastor John Lukowski is co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO and also in the blessed state of Minnesota and helping us today in <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Pastor John, thank you for being our guest. Brady, thank you. It's been a joy for me. Blessings to you thank and your new ministry here. Very good. Thank you. I'm your host, Brady, not Blake Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us. And as we look at everything today, we always remember that as our Lord, who is our righteousness, that he has broken our hardened hearts and we are able to behold the glory of the Lord for no one has seen the Father, but he has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ. So as we leave this day, the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>